Hi, I'm Kiki. And I'm Kemi. And you're listening to Your Advisors Will See You Now, a podcast that will help you to figure out all of your options for life after high school. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Your Advisors Will See You Now. Hopefully we're going to be okay. We have, we're a little rusty. I feel like we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, but that's okay because we are ahead. But we're excited to be joining you all again. Um, but today we're doing a relevant ramble. And because we are talking about kind of like student support staff, we're talking about academic advising. We wanted to do just a small episode or, or one of our relevant rambles about positions within student affairs or within student support services. So we're just going to rattle off some of them um, just in case, like, because we've mentioned how academic advising works and our roles as advisors. But we also wanted to talk about other roles in case someone's interested in pursuing higher education um, on the student affairs side, not the academic side. Um, And again, we're just mentioned, I'll mention that our relevant rambles are just our mini episodes where we discuss topics that are current events or relevant to our current series. So Kemi, you want to jump in with the first role or department actually? Yeah. Yeah, sure. And then also just a preference off of Kiki too. So a lot of student affairs or student support roles in higher ed, depending on where you go to work, if it's like a technical college or university or a community college or whatever have you, Mm -hmm. a lot of these roles can sometimes overlap because we're making this list. And as we're making this list, I was actually so thrown off because um, when I was a student services advisor, I was like, man, I did a lot of different things in this <laughs> one title role. And I was like, man, if you go to different universities, sometimes you have one person doing this one particular role. Mm-hmm. So, so keep that in mind. If you do want to break into higher education and some kind of student support, they might have you doing one particular duty that we're going to speak about today. This might be your sole job, or it might even have some overlap as well. Um, oh, and then also, as Kiki said, too, so student support is more like admin. And even though you're not necessarily teaching in a classroom, which there's even an option for that if you wanted to be like an associate, mm-hmm. um, like um, I'm an assistant professor. Adjunct. Mm-hmm. Adjunct, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also wanted to maybe do some student advising on the side. That opportunity could also be available at different schools as well. But sure. There will be, you know, some kind of alignment as well, depending on what department that it still has some crossover with academics or helping someone to overcome obstacles and et cetera, et cetera. So let's go into our list. The first thing that we have on our list is residence life. So residence life, you are going to be in charge of orientation, making students feel welcome, like a home away from home. You're going to, yes, deal with some student issues, but it's Mm -hmm. a good position for someone who wants to exercise their problem-solving abilities. And it does reflect well on application if you want to continue on in higher education because it's it's a very, um, I don't want to say it's a difficult job, but it's a job that you do build a lot of strengths and a lot of transferable skills from it as well. So that might be something that you're interested in, especially if you're a person that you want to help people feel welcome to campus. You want to help people have a smooth transition to campus. This might be a role that you can find um, interesting. Uh, another benefit for residence life, too, is I know some people in the past that we actually went to school with, they went on, they graduated undergrad, then I think they became residence life directors. And I think mm-hmm. when you are a 
Residence Life Director, you can also get the opportunity of free housing on campus as well. So that's a win-win, you know. Uh, so that's a great benefit, but some people may not like it because they're right on campus all the time with the action. But that's just something to consider. Who knows? Maybe you're trying to go to school still and save some money. This could be a good job for you to have as well. So that's residence life. Uh, another, let me see, what's another one? Another one is counseling service, counseling services, which is. You can you have professional. So I know on our campus we have professional counseling services for ours. So that one you will definitely need uh, a le- certain level of education to have in order to apply for that role on campus. It's becoming more prevalent now on on campuses, I believe, too, because I remember Kiki when we were younger in undergrad. I I wasn't honestly aware if there was a counseling services on our campus, and I know since. You know, times have changed. When I look back at Elon, they do have a center for one now, I believe. So I, mm-hmm. I think it is more common on campuses nowadays, just, you know, dealing with stress, management, balance, everything that goes into you being who you are. So there is that student support role as well that is available if you want to take that route and maybe not necessarily have your own counseling practice, but you want to do it in higher education. There's that option for you. Mm-hmm. And I, we actually, we did have it, but so I'll, I'll mention this too, like counseling services should not be taboo. The way I try to spin it with students, or not spin it, the way I'll say spin it is if they're struggling with like time management or if their grades are struggling, like what's the issue? And I'm like, counseling services can address it. So they help with time management. Like Kimmy said, they're also professional counselors, but they still have to refer you out. They can't do like, um, there's like certain levels mm. that they can do. Yeah, exactly. Depending, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the reason I say it's not taboo because they can help you with time management. If there are mental health things, they can help you like generally with like coping skills um, or managing skills. But we did have it at Elon. However, they were like housed in, I think like um, where the doctors were, if you like had. Oh, really? The, like the clinic. Yeah. So it could have been, maybe they were in the wrong place because students, if you're like, I need to go see a counselor. It feels like you're going to be diagnosed with something because you're going to the medical, like the clinic kind of thing. So you're right. They are definitely more prevalent these days. They're more common. They're probably housed like on their own or like maybe a little bit more. um, It's like more common terminology around counseling services because we all need it. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be taboo at all. But I just wanted to point that out. Like if you're a student listening, if you want to hear about this or staff, um, I think we all try to do our best not to make it as taboo and let students know that it should be a welcoming place for them to go for whatever needs they may have. But that was just a tangent. Um, the next ones we'll mention, so I kind of lump these together because they're all about like student engagement. But if you're really, if you um, enjoy like programming or um, putting on events and things like that, student life, student engagement um, definitely is a department, maybe within that, like Kimmy mentioned, every school is going to be different. Um, but I also will mention orientation leaders. So when students are coming into the, into college, someone has to lead or like, can I get them, kind of get them integrated and acclimated to campus life? Um, they have orientation leaders that help students with, they do like huge events. So I know when we came to Elon, it was a whole week weekend of orientation events. So you like met your advisor, you met other people, in your 
not it wasn't homeroom like you're, maybe your freshman orientation class but they had like had like events like all over the campus they have food they have t-shirts they have um like carnival type things magicians it's basically just to make sure like can we say with residence life people feel at home that orientation leaders are getting students to feel like they're part of campus life when they get there so i would kind of put student life student life and student engagement with orientation in a way it depends on the school but it's really just about making sure students feel included on campus, um, getting involved in campus events. Um, within that is like SGA. So maybe you work in student life as a coordinator, but you're like the fact or the staff advisor for the uh, SGA, which is Student Government Association. So it's just like if you really want to get like down with the students and like meeting them in their organizations and their clubs um, and hosting, like I said, putting on events and things for the students. That's a great way to get involved on campus. Can we do the next one? Either way, you Soon. want to take that one? Okay, sure. This is very general. Y'all know what we do. So we're going to mention academic advisors. So that's what Kemi and I's specialty is. Um, and we've mentioned it before in a previous episode, what we do. Um, again, I went to a conference this past weekend and I learned that academic advising or like advising can be with anybody. It depends on the college you, you work at. So as you say, generally academic advisors are there to help students with their career and academic planning. So that's like course planning. Um, we direct students to student resources, but we're essentially there to make sure that students are staying on track towards graduation, helping students, you know, if they have multiple goals, helping them to maybe hone in, hone in on one goal at a time or seeing how they can implement, you know, multiple degree goals, things like that. But your academic advisor role um, is really essential to making sure students are staying on track with their coursework um, towards completion, whatever that means for that particular student. Yeah. And then even just chiming in on that too. So, I mean, we've said this several times before, but, you know, depending on what, what university you work at uh, or campus you work at can look a little different. So that's definitely something that me and Kiki have in common for ours. And sometimes when we have different conversations, we're like, oh, you do that for academic advising? Like, I do this for academic advising. Mm -hmm. So it can look different on some things. I know for, for my academic advising, when I worked at Clark, there was a component of registration involved in it. So there was that hand of sequencing and when they're going to complete, is this class going to be available at that time? So there's that whole background of like puzzle, puzzling that goes mm -hmm. around to make sure everything will fit and flow effectively. and then. We also had to deal with implementing probation. So if a student is not doing well at the end of a semester, having that tough conversation of will the GPA be able to, to meet the GPA requirement next semester, you need to be on probation. Or even having that even worse conversation of it's not going to make it even if you were to get all A's, thus you have to be academically dismissed. So those kind of conversations there's, uh, uh, me and Kiki were talking earlier about retention strategies, so strategies to help students um, ensure that they're able to complete on time as most as possible, looking at the obstacles that they individually have, implementing resources to help along the way. Something that I created in my, in my position was a, it was a virtual Teams tutorial since it was the pandemic and everybody was working, oh, it was crazy. Team working in teams stinks. I'm gonna say this now. Working in teams always stinks when you're in high school, whether you're in college, whether you're an adult, it always stinks. 
So take all that stinkiness and then make it virtual. And then on top of that, I had students that were in different time zones. So some students were in China, some were in Saudi Arabia, some were in the U.S. So take that and have a group project and have all that going and a pandemic. It was terrible. So I created a virtual Teams tutorial. So it helped you to framework your expectations and better and, and amplify your communication. So that way your project and assignments can get done understanding different time zones and having to work with each other to rotate your schedule. You can't just assume that someone's going to meet at 3 a.m. every time you want to have a group meeting. Like you need to rotate as a team, um, how to hold each other accountable, when to tag along your professor. So that kind of thing. So those are the resources that we help students with as well to overcome those because we want to see you succeed and we want to see you get that graduate degree. And that's part mm-hmm. of our retention strategy. Yeah. And I would say too, like we are moving. So you probably know about this because you did higher education for your master's. I'll just say this quickly. We are moving towards, um, there's like different um, advising models and we are moving towards that at our institution, which I think a lot of institutions are. It's called like appreciative advising. We're trying to be like more relational with the student. So it is about okay. retention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a holistic model of advising. So um, Kemi, before we talk, Kemi named a bunch of things she does. She did as an advisor at one of her institutions. I was like, I don't do nearly that many. Like we do a <laughs> lot, but like not nearly as much as that. Um, but I know we are going to be doing like probation and stuff too. So it's a great... I, Academic advising, I would say, is really like out of all of these, they're all great positions for sure. But I've learned at my institution, academic advising is such like you have to know everything. So it's a mm-hmm. great um, it's a great role if you want to get like a foot in the door in higher education. And these are all great foot in the door. But um, I don't know. Advising just has been has seemed unique to me because you have to know like a multitude of resources you have to collaborate with different departments. So you're really getting yep. yourself out there a little bit. Um, people tend to know you because you're in that department. You have to be up, up and down the stairs across campus doing things. So it's a great um, way to introduce yourself to the student affairs role, like um, field, I should say. Um, so student mm-hmm. conduct. So student conduct, sometimes it'll be a specific role for student conduct. So for example, if you have a student that violated academic integrity, which is something that's very, very important. So if you're caught cheating, you someone else has written your work for you, or if you are out here purchasing these these um these papers that are written by these these mills of people that are like, I'll write that paper for you if you throw me 50 bucks. Yeah. So if you get caught. You, you're going to have to connect with someone who does student conduct and they're going to have to guide you through this process of something like a student appeal. So it's like a light, uh, a light version of going to court <laughs> in school. I served on a student. I'll talk about that later. But I served on a student appeal board as well. And you're kind of advocating the best that you can for the student and trying to work to see what will best help them later on. So there's uh, those kind of student conduct roles, um, and maybe even Title IX might fall under that role as well, depending on what university you're on. So that's something as well. Um, then you also have another role is accessibility and accommodation services. So this is a, a service to ensure that if you have different um, abilities of learning, so let's say you were in high school and you had someone read your test to you, or Maybe you needed additional time on a test. So you'll work with this department to see if the university can provide this for you when you're in college. 
and then you'll get these accommodations for you when um, when you begin. And accommodations in universities too are always at will. So if you feel confident in your classes that maybe you don't need the um, the extra time or someone reading it to you, or even at, at where I worked at another place too, we had the exam questions recorded already. So they could just go in, in a separate room and listen to it. Um, but then you had some students utilize it and they're like, you know what, I feel really confident now. I don't feel like I need it. They didn't have to use it anymore. So that's, you have that leverage of if you want to or not. So uh, definitely look for those items first. If you're a random student, sorry, if you're a student looking at colleges, that's something important that you need to look for. See if they have an office for that or a student support department that handles that as well. Mm -hmm. And I would just say too, if you are someone looking to get into that department, if you know like American Sign Language, that's a great um, that's a great way to get into that department because they always need interpreters for students that are deaf or hard of hearing. So if that's a skill you have that's on your resume, if you're fluent enough to be able to, you know, go with a student to class. So it can be the students in their classrooms. If they're going to see other student services staff, if they are at an event and they need an interpreter, you can definitely be utilized. And I feel like ASL is like really up and coming. Like it's always been around, but I'm seeing a lot more of a presence. So that's a huge um, necessity for a lot of colleges these days. Yeah. So the next one is veteran services. So I'll just say veterans, I'll say veterans and I'll say like military family services. That's what we call it at my institution. But again, it could have a plethora of names, but if you want to work with students that are either veterans, they're active duty members, or they are dependents or spouses of veterans, this is a great office for that. So they work with students for their GI benefits, um, their 9-11 or post 9-11 bill benefits, if they are currently veterans. So anyone wanted to come back to school, they have really awesome benefits, as we mentioned in one of our episodes already with our producer, Warren, shout out Warren. But um, <laughs> you can go back and listen to what those benefits are. But yeah, that's a great way. So if you I know Kemi said she worked with these students and she's not a veteran, but I, I've seen a lot of people um, who I work with who have previously served in the military work with these students because I feel like they have some kind of relation. You don't have to, but it's, it's always helpful if you're someone that's maybe been there before. Yeah. And you, can, you can relate to those students in that way with, you know, just life in the military, life after the military. So that is another department that you can work with. Financial aid is another department. Now, financial aid, I don't, I didn't look it up, but I know there's some stipulations you have to meet to work in financial aid. Like, I feel like you can't have your loans like in deferment, something like that. But if you're, so financial aid literally is what the, it's literally what they, what it says. They have financial aid coordinators that work with students on their FAFSA. So once a student applies for the FAFSA, the financial aid coordinators, directors, whatever their title may be, are the ones processing their financial aid for that institution. They're, one, they're the ones that are awarding financial aid packages. They may also deal with scholarships. So if you're applying to scholarships, they may also work with students in that capacity. So financial aid is a pretty huge department. And the reason I said, I said at the beginning, they may have some stipulations. You want us to be mindful of that when you're applying um, because they're dealing with federal funds, federal funding. And that's a huge, huge task to take on. 
um, somewhat scary to me to have to be giving out money to people in that capacity. Yeah, I think it's a great office. They do a lot, a lot of work. Financial aid is really intricate. So you have to be very detail oriented, I would say, for all of these, but for, for financial aid, for sure, because a lot of um, just nuances to financial aid and having to know like different student types and all things that go into financial aid. So that's another one of the departments. Um, and I would say, like I said, financial aid may partner. I'll mention, I, I did mention like scholarships could be a different department, scholarship services, but typically I would say they're within the same kind of realm. So do you want to take this next point over? Cause you say service life. And I'm like, which one were you indicating with that? I forgot. Service learning. So I meant to say service learning. Got yeah, you. Okay. I can mention it. So service learning could be a part of service student life as well. But service learning is for anyone that wants to get involved in or that wants to help students um, with like volunteering, if they're doing community service. That's literally what student service life is. Um, and I, I think that's a big part of colleges these days, whether you're at a community college, technical, four year, because you want to partner with your local community. And a lot of students do too. So I know we did a lot of service while we were at Elon. I can think of like gospel choir did a lot of service events. So if you, if you yourself or someone that enjoys putting on services, yeah, volunteering or putting on events um, and you want to get out into your local community and you want to help students do that, service learning is an awesome department. Uh, I feel like they have a lot of opportunities to just help students get out and meet people or students that maybe have never seen a part of your college. So I know like Elon's very rural um, and we had like our Elon bubble and we didn't often, if you didn't like volunteer or like drive out, you maybe didn't see other parts of the area that are out there. So I think, you know, a lot of colleges are big on like being a global citizen now. That also means in your own community. So it also helps students that maybe have never seen certain areas or certain um, socioeconomic statuses. It helps them get out and maybe just broaden their worldview to know what is in their community and who's in their community as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And then the last one we have on here is we put this one kind of blankly, like diverse, diversity coordinators, because you can have different departments in different schools. So maybe like a multicultural office, maybe a LGBTQ office, maybe even a f- interfaith office. So if you are, if you, that's also like a particular department you want to work for, if you have like a specific passion for it. Um, and that's, you'll be helping students in those specific areas, maybe in more events on campus, maybe some particular student issues. Uh, and you'll also probably work with or help oversee any kind of club that is affiliated with, with that department. Mm-hmm. So you'll be having a hand with that as well. And- yeah. And I, I'll mention too, I sorry, sorry. I actually, I did that at Elon for a year. Um, so Kimmy's right. Like we did a lot of, like, again, programming, like, it was more like diversity focused programming. I had to advise a club or organization. It's a lot of fun and you get to do, I feel like you have so much freedom within like diversity. Well, it's so broad. So you have, you have a lot of freedom. Yeah. You have a lot of fun to put on programming. And I would say, I know Kemi has one more, to, one more to mention, but all of these are great. Like you can partner with each other. So if yes. you're really good at, if you like, well, you should be good at collaborating if you're in student affairs, but 
<laughs> there are certainly ways that all of these um, departments that we've mentioned can have some overlap, have lots of collaboration. But yeah, that's all I wanted to mention that too. It's really fun. Yeah, it really is. And then you're just connected. You, you become more connected with your community. You have a better understanding of the university, like what you all have in common and, and how you want to help students and truly change their life and just their experience on campus. And it really is a lot of fun. You get to meet a bunch of different people and become more innovative. And it really is fun. That, that mm-hmm. is fun. Um, and then the last position we have on here because we were talking about this list and I was like, oh, student services. Because I was a student services advisor at a technical school. And so we're listing off like what people did. And as I'm listing off this position, I, I realized I did a lot of things that were overlapping oh. in positions. But it's good to share this with you because you never know where you're going to be working. And it just lets you know how expansive your role can be. So when I did student services, I did I helped with orientation, registration. I verified transcripts for incoming students with admissions. So making sure that I did find a fake diploma. So that's what they have a job out there. Don't be making no fake diplomas. We will find you. (laughs) (laughs) That was a funny story. Uh, Then I also was helping students with probation. They took a leave of absence, making them come back to school. And on top of that, a not so fun one was I was drug testing because it was a technical college. Then Mm. if I had a student come in who was having issues with maybe finding a job or just trying to get through to pay for the next session, I would connect them to our like scholarship website and help review them with their scholarship. Then I also had, oh, that I also was working with the housing as well. I forgot about that. So I kind mm. of served as partial housing coordination. Oh man. So we had someone who had the housing, but then I would help if there was any student conflict in the dorm, you know, basically they're not washing dishes. They're not doing this. I had to jump in on that. Then I also did what else did I did? What else did I do? Um, then I also help with graduation. We had graduations every three weeks. So we're printing diplomas, standing up for the, for the graduation event, previewing and making sure that everybody had the right amount of points needed in order to graduate that day, lining the students up. Then I also helped with student events. So we would do some fun student events. Like we did a carnival. We did bingo. We did a lot. And that, that was a lot of collaboration too, because we had to work with different departments because we had a tight budget. So we were working with different departments saying, hey, you want to kick in this? You want to kick in this? Da, 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 da. And that was just amazing. That was one, of, I think, the biggest events that I did was the carnival. That was a lot of fun. And but you'll that just shows like, you know, how how expansive your role can be, how many skills you can learn and what you could be doing and getting experience with. So your role may say specifically one thing, but you never know. You could you can grow in so many different aspects because even just going off this, it's like I've had experience like in registration, previewing okay. transcripts, you know, lightly with financial aid, even lightly with veteran services. Because at one point we didn't have a specific person that did uh, veteran services. So I was lightly previewing like the BAH and stuff like that too. So you, you become versed in these different things and you do understand how everything connects. So it does help you to better understand higher education, how everything's flowing, how to help the student move forward. So it is very, if you're a person that loves to help people, who loves supporting people, to the main thing is all this really is helping the student to complete their, their uh, program. So if you mm-hmm. want to be part of that and part of that life-changing experience, then you can definitely test uh, the waters here and what that looks like for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Absolutely. And I'll just say quickly too. So if anyone you're hearing all these positions or all these departments, if you're wondering how to get into higher education, it just really depends. I, so Kemi has her master's in higher education and I don't, and we both have been within the field for all of our career really yeah. since, since we've graduated. So you don't have to have a certain degree type to be within higher education or within student affairs. I should say more specifically, my degrees in political science, Kemi's is in psychology. There's really no majors for anything we've mentioned. I will say that academic advising I've heard is becoming a major or they may be really? more specific. Yeah. Like I've, like a school or two I've heard. Mm. You don't need it. If, as long as you've been, if you, if you've been through school yourself, you honestly know how to do most of these things. It's all about transferable skills. So all I can really say is if your goal is to get a master's in higher education, cause you have, you have a desire to go higher up within the rank. So like Kemi and I were probably more like just typical student affairs. I don't know how to call it, but typical student support staff, but there are also directors, there are deans, there are vice presidents, associate vice presidents. If you want to be higher, then sometimes you may, you typically need a higher degree, I'll say. But if you're looking to just get your foot in the door, your bachelor's degree is usually sufficient. You have to see the school though. Some, some academic advising positions do require you have a master's degree. To be a counseling, you know, counseling services, you have to have a master's degree. So you have to look at the school or wherever you're looking to apply to for these positions very in depth to see what they require. But I would say for the most part, you don't have to have a master's in higher education, but it, honestly, I, I mean, it's, it's, I can't even blanket all, statement that it depends. All, yeah. It all depends. Yeah. No, it honestly all depends. Cause even looking yeah. back at my story, like I, I, on, I started out in an institution as a receptionist and I worked my way up to education coordinator. Yeah. Then I worked my way up to student services advisor. And then I was like, oh, man, I really love education. And then where I worked, they provided a way to pay for a part of my master's degree. So I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to jump on that because I can pay for pay for my degree and not have to like pay for my master's. You know what I mean? So I took that. And that's why I ended up getting my master's in education. But yeah. uh, but looking at my pathway, you could you're going to have to work to find it, but you could work your way up. You know, like if you're able to find like maybe a part time job verifying transcripts or coordinating something in an admissions office. You can work your way up and learn these transferable skills and then keep on working up. So that is an option. Absolutely. Now, I won't say, you know, maybe you'll be like the, the president of a university. I haven't heard someone become like a president of a university who didn't have some kind of educational background, like for a, like a university, not like mm -hmm. maybe a technical college or something. So that is something you'd have to do your personal research in. But again, if you are still thinking of, well, maybe I want to work in higher ed. Maybe I want to work in a student uh, support role. Definitely look into these positions to see how you can get in there um, before. And it may even be best to do that as well before you even think about getting um, your master's degree. Make sure you like what you're doing. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. continue to go on and spend the money on education. So that is our relevant ramble. If you have any other like roles that maybe we missed, we would love to hear um, some of your the roles that we didn't think of. So go on to our Instagram, Yasin Podcast, and comment below on the episode flyer, and then we can have a discussion about that in the bottom. And thank you guys for listening in. 
If you feel like helping us and sponsoring us and helping this podcast, you're more than welcome to check out our Venmo account on the bottom of the show notes. But until then, we thank you and we'll catch you in the next one. See you. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to the latest episode of Your Advisors. We'll see you now. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages and check out our website. Take a look at the show notes below. And please make sure to subscribe and share this podcast. Also, show us some love and please leave a five-star review. Catch you next time. See ya.